One of the leaders of the church was asked a question. And the question was, what kind of a pastor have we got? Goes down the middle aisle saying hallelujah. Just so you can get it all clear, if I'd have been there, I would have danced in front of the ark with David. Because I believe that the redeemed of the Lord should say so. And that there should be joy in your heart for the sacrifice that Jesus made. And for the glory of heaven that you and I haven't seen yet, but it is really there. And we will see it. And we will be part of it. And we will be part of it for all eternity. And up there the angels continually praise the Father. Holy, 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 they say. Every crescendo getting louder and more glorious. And even Ellen White in hearing it said that as they were singing, suddenly they sang a note higher. She said a note that had not been written yet. A note that had not been composed yet. And it just went right off of the scale. Turn to the person next to you and tell them something that's extremely important and we need to tell each other every day. Jesus loves you. And so do I. So what do I do? This one goes next. This one goes previous. Okay. So this is the one to push. Good. They've entrusted me with this. But they've left the man standing right there. We're going to talk about the faith and trust issue. Now let's see if I do this right. Do I point in any direction or just anywhere? So the problem starts with the rebellion. So from the beginning, it has been a matter of trust and faith. From the very beginning, God created his universe after he created his angels. So he had an angel force already to minister to all of the needs of his universe. And he sent them coming and going as his missions would be for them. And one day the head angel got to thinking it over. Matter of fact, something ticked him off. And what ticked him off was that the father revealed something that had been going on for eternity, but the angels had never really heard it from the mouth of the Father, and that was that Jesus was his son, and that Jesus was not a created being, but Jesus was part of the Godhead, and that God had given all power into the hands of Jesus. 
And the angels were to worship Jesus as they worshiped the Father. And the angels were to obey Jesus as he commanded the entire universe so that it all functioned well for the benefit of all created beings everywhere. Now this head angel, who at that time was called the Angel of Light, his name was Lucifer, he got to thinking this over. And when he saw all the honor and glory that Jesus had, which by the way Jesus had always had, something happened in his mind. He started to say, I want all that power and glory. I will exalt myself above the Most High. I will sit on His throne, and everyone will worship me. So he started out very carefully, very quietly, to place doubt in the minds of all the angels of heaven went from place to place, group to group, person to person. And he told the angels, God does all this for himself. He doesn't do it for you. He doesn't do it for the beings of the other world. He does it all for himself. All of this is because God is so selfish. He wants everything for himself. And that's where the trust issue started. Satan started to put this little seed out there, and he continued to put it. And he continued to talk behind the scenes to all, to all the angels of heaven. You know, it is a principle that what you say with your mouth, you hear with your ears, and you believe with your heart. So if you want to be truly saved, the Bible says you need to confess the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth so that your ears hear you saying it and your heart believes it is true. This is the hope that all of us have. And that hope changes us. And the more we hear ourselves proclaiming the Lord Jesus as our Savior and as Lord and Creator of the universe. The more we hear ourselves, the more we believe what is truth and the more we become like Jesus. So, this angel continued. God knew what was going on and he continued his work until finally it turned into an open rebellion against the government of God. God, a God of love, could not do the things that Lucifer, the angel of light, was doing to disrupt the harmony of heaven. He couldn't do it because love wants only the best for everyone else. And so... God allowed a rebellion to start so that all the angels of heaven could see the result of the rebellion and where it would be leading. 
Now the angels didn't really understand all this. They had never seen anything like this. And so they were very interested to see what was going to happen. Now, at one point, over half of the angels believed Lucifer's lies. And then Jesus, in counsel with other angels, went out and told those angels the truth. So that when the actual rebellion started, there was only one-third of the angels on the side of Lucifer. Some had repented and gone back to God and were reinstated in their places. And a rebellion happened, and for the first time in the universe, there was a war. Never before had there been a war. And all of us can say, thank you, Jesus, because he won the war in heaven. And Satan and his evil angels were cast out. And he went from being Satan, the angel of light, Lucifer, I mean the angel of light, to Satan, the adversary. And so, we started a rebellion and the problem begins. God had an answer to the problem. <clears throat> now let's point it in the right direction. So, he has a seven-step plan for recovery from the rebellion. What we're talking about today, we will talk about next week. We haven't, it, it's, it's not something we can get all in one time. But we, you, you have an advantage, and I as a pastor have an advantage, because the clock melts right into the wall back there. If you turn and look at it, you'll notice you can't tell what time it is. You haven't tried it. Try it. So we have step one of this full recovery, and step one of the recovery was the decision and the remedy. So immediately after the war in heaven, where Lucifer and the evil angels were cast out, and he became Satan the adversary, then Jesus went to the Father. And the Father and Jesus decided they were going to go on with the creation of this world. Now, what's so special about the creation of this world as opposed to other worlds God had already created? This world was God's crowning act. We are a new and distinct order of beings. We alone are created in the image of God mentally, physically, and spiritually. What an honor that we, when, when we're called the children of God, we're created to be the children of God. And so they decided to go on and to, to do this creation. And as they did the creation, something happened. And what happened was, that Adam, the ruler, God had placed him as the ruler of this earth, fell into the same trap the angels of heaven had fallen into. And he disbelieved and distrusted the God of heaven 
He distrusted God's word. And he put his full faith and trust in the lies of a snake in a tree. How many of you have done that? If you're honest, you know what I'm talking about. Full faith. Had the snake done anything for Adam and Eve? Had the snake provided anything for him? Had he blessed them in any way? What inspired Adam to put all of his trust in a snake? But that is how insidious sin is. And how it can slip in so silently into our thinking and take possession of our thoughts. And that is what happened. And Lucifer, or Satan now, became the ruler of this world. It was now his. And you and I became his subjects. Jesus went to the Father, and he said, Father, it's now time to put our plan into action. We call it the plan of salvation. It's time to put it into action. And I will be the remedy for sin. I will give myself as a substitute to suffer the penalty of sin for everyone that trusts and believes in you. I will pay the penalty for the whole world. I will pay the penalty for the whole universe. I will pay the penalty even for the angels of heaven. I will pay it all. Now you and I think this was a simple little thing, but the father struggled to give up his son. Jesus was the same as the father. Omnipotent, omnipresence, on everything. Jesus was God in the fullness of the Godhead. And he was going to give that all up and become a human. And the work that he was going to do as a human was to become the remedy by reversing the curse and paying the penalty. So the decision was made, finally. The father relented and said, all right, we'll go through with the plan. It was a plan laid before the foundation of this world. He said, we will go through with it. And Jesus agreed to become a helpless baby be born a human, and forever to have human body. He agreed to that. And to take the risk of failure in an effort to pay the penalty of sin and to reverse the curse for you and I. This was the work that Jesus said he would do. And so the plan goes on, and we go to the full reversal. Now, I had to write all these down so I wouldn't forget them. So Jesus, our Lord, became that baby, and he humbled himself, and he grew to manhood, and all through manhood he was constantly harassed and tempted by Satan, 
but he kept complete his trust and faith in the Father. He could say with Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And so Jesus went through all the temptations that you and I go through. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like we are. Yet he never yielded to the selfishness of the human spirit, and he never sinned. And as a final testimony of his love for you and I, he went to the cross willingly. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they came to take him, he showed that he was willingly going because just by his own glory, they were falling as dead men in front of him. And he could have walked away. But he didn't do it. He freely gave his life to be our substitute to reverse the curse. And so he goes and he pays the penalty for the death. Now what, what kind of a death are we talking about? We're talking about the second death. Now, you, you understand what, the, what, what sin is. Sin, sin is, is separation from God. And the second death is eternal separation from God. Right now, we have death in the world, and it is a blessing. And if we understood it, we would understand the blessing of it. How would you like to live a thousand years, your life you're living right now? How would you like to risk a thousand years of disease that you might catch something, that you might, your body may deteriorate underneath you. It is a blessing that God has given us to have death because death is but a sleep, but a moment. And God restores us when he comes and calls for us. But the death that Jesus faced for you and I was this death. Never before in the universe of God had there been a time when there was not a mediator between the sin and the God. Never. Christ stood between Lucifer and the Father. Lucifer was not destroyed immediately. A mediator was between them. But when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross alone. Without a mediator. And a, a man who had lived his whole life with the presence of God. Now, hanging on a cross, he cries out. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? I'm your son. Where are you going? And the sky turns black, veiling the face of God who is there at the crucifixion and putting a, a complete canopy of darkness over the Redeemer because the angels of heaven were tempted to come down and deliver him. And God put a canopy over him so that they wouldn't do that. So the plan of salvation for you and I would be fulfilled. God loves you. 
Say that to yourself. God loves me. It's okay to let somebody else hear it. God loves me. Do you believe it? God loves me. So then we come to the next step for the reversal, and that is the redemption. And Jesus dies alone. The Father withdraws his presence. All the wrath of God falls down on Jesus for every sin that has ever been committed and will ever be committed. All that anguish and everything fell on the body of Jesus Christ and on his mind. And it was so heavy on his mind that he sweat tears and and perspiration of blood. And he died, laid down his life. They laid him in a tomb. And the next day, he came out of that tomb. Wait a minute, somebody says, what do you mean the next day? Didn't he die on Friday? Didn't he rest over the Sabbath? And doesn't the scripture say, while it was still dark, came the women to the tomb? We talk about Easter sunrise services. He was already gone. He left while it was dark. An angel came down out of heaven. God the Father had sent him. Now's the time. Go get my son. That angel shot down with such urgency. And he was so excited that he was going too fast. And he hit the earth right by the tomb. And he hit it so hard there was an earthquake. And all those Romans fell over when they saw him. He was so excited, he walks over and he touched that stone and it goes over there just like a little pebble. He looks down into the tomb and he says, Thou Son of God, thy Father calleth thee. And Jesus came out of that tomb. Walked up those stairs. Stood at the top. And where that great stone had fallen, where the angel had touched it, he put his foot on that stone and he called out to the universe. It's found in Psalms 24, first verse. He called his victory to the whole universe. And he shouted, the earth is the Lord's. I bought it back from Satan. It doesn't belong to him anymore. The black people of the South, they understand this. They really understand it because they have been through experiences. And they shout, free, free, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. And all of us can say that when Jesus stepped on that rock of the tomb. The earth is the Lord's. He bought it back and given it back to the Father. Now we have the redemption. Then we come to the next step. The restoration. The Father accepts the restoration act. God. Jesus, Jesus is there. He's ready to go to heaven. But the, the women arrive too soon. 
You think that made the Lord Jesus Christ happy to see them? Absolutely. But he says, wait a minute, don't, don't touch me yet. I have not ascended to my Father. He says, you, you, you wait a little bit here. You, you just wait. Go tell Peter and the others that, that, that I'm going up to see the Father. And so, he takes off and he heads to heaven. And when he gets to heaven, the angels want to come out and worship him. He says, no, 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 no. And he goes right into the Father. And he says, Father, do you accept my sacrifice? Do you accept the reversal that I have brought about? As a human, I have reversed every sin of this world in my life. I have lived perfectly every temptation. Now, Father, will you accept all of my people? Everybody that believes in me, everybody that trusts me, will you accept them just like you accept me? And the Father, he's so exciting, I can see God just trembling, waiting to give the answer. And he says, let all the angels worship him. And they get so excited, and they're just singing praises and, and thanking the Lord Jesus Christ for what he has done. Next week, I'll bring you some quotations so you can understand why the angels were so excited. And so, the restoration. Everything has been restored back like it was. In John 1.12, it tells us, But to as many as did receive him, to them... He gave the authority, the power, the privilege, and the right to become the children of God. That is to those who believe on his name. Now, if you're one of those that I asked last week, would you bring your Bibles? Raise your hand. Did you bring your Bibles this week? And then there was, was some that I said, would you bring a notebook and write down the text? I see you. I see there. These are the texts to write down. Now, you look up there and you say, wait a second, Pastor, I don't see the authority, power, privilege, and right in the King James Version. That's because when the King James people wrote it out, they took the Greek word that means all four of those things, and they picked one of them and says, that's the one I'm going to put in there, or I'll put in the power. But that is what that Greek word means. If you want, I can show you later, but that's what that word means. It means the power... It means the authority, the power, the privilege, and the right. That is way more than any one of us would think when you just say God gave you the power to become children of God. He gave you authority. What did he give you authority over? Sin. How many of you want authority over sin? Absolutely. And the Bible tells you, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there has no sin taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you're able, but will with every temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Isn't that fabulous? Every time Satan comes, you have the authority. Your Savior 
has overcome all sin, and he gives that in your hands. He says, you have the authority. And you have the right. The apostles are, are coming into the temple, and, and as they're starting up the steps into the temple, there, there's that man there. He hasn't walked, and he leans over, and he says, these two guys look kind of prosperous. He didn't know they were poor fishermen. And so he says, uh, alms, alms. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, what did he have? He had the authority, the power, the privilege, and the right to represent his Lord, Jesus Christ. And he had seen Jesus heal people. And he said, such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, do what? Arise and walk. How do you think that looked? You think kind of just kind of oh, 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 oh. <laughs> or do you think he jumped up in the air as the creative energy of God went through him? The Bible says he went into the temple leaping. We're not leaping. We're saying amen. We need to say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So now we move into the important things. Restoration. The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are the children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs and joint heirs with whom? With Jesus. Now, didn't I tell you last Sabbath that we get what? A share in His glory and a seat upon His throne. Page 484, Great Controversy. So, we are heirs with Christ. Everything Jesus gets, we get. Thank you, Jesus. So now we have the justification. You already have the acceptance of the Father of the full recovery. He's already promised he's going to accept you just like he accepts Jesus. In Romans, it says, well, you can't see it up there, but it's Romans 5.1, if you're writing down. 5.1. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does reconciliation mean? Bringing everything back to where it was. Everything comes back to where it was. Now we move on. Step number six in our seven steps. The sanctification. Alright. And that's John 1.16, I think. Your guess is good as mine. But 
I believe it's John 1, 16. For out of his fullness we have all received one grace after another and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and favor upon favor, gift upon gift. Can you believe that? Favor upon favor, gift upon gift. I'd like to read you something. This is from Desire of Ages, those of you that are writing it down, page 57. Now, sister, you're, you're, you're going out there. Be sure and write in your book, page 57, Desire of Ages. And it says, Satan has represented God as selfish and oppressive, as claiming all and giving nothing, as requiring the service of his creatures for his own glory and making no sacrifice for their good. But the gift of Jesus are revealed in the Father's heart. It testifies that the thoughts of God toward us are thoughts of peace and not evil. It declares that while God's hatred of sin is as strong as death, his love for the sinner is stronger than death. At the cross of Calvary, love and selfishness stood face to face. Here was their crowning manifestation. Christ had lived only to comfort and bless, and in putting him to death, Satan manifested malignity of his hatred against God to destroy him through whom the love of God was shown. Desire of Ages, page 57. It says, Having undertaken our redemption, he will spare nothing, however dear, which is necessary to the completion of his work. No truth essential to our salvation is withheld. No miracle of mercy is neglected. No divine agency is left unemployed. Favor is heaped upon favor, gift upon gift. Isn't that what we just read in John 1.16? Favor upon favor, gift upon gift. The whole treasury of heaven is open to those he seeks to save, having collected the riches of the universe, laid open the resources of infinite power, he gives him all into the hands of Christ and says, All these are for you. All these are for mankind. Use these gifts to convince him. There is no love greater than mine in earth or heaven. His greatest happiness will be found in loving me. Jesus loves you. You love him? Absolutely. Oh, you haven't seen the best of it yet. Now, I'm supposed to stop at 1224. According, according to the, the little plot plan they gave me. But we won't make it. So I think what we'll do, we'll break for lunch. Now, listen, come study the Bible with me. The best is yet to be. Wait until you see this. Let's move on. The glorification. Now, here's two Bible texts, and I can read them to you real quickly. All praise and honor be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who through Christ 
has poured out all heaven for our good. Didn't we just see that in that statement from Desire of Ages, page 57? All heaven poured out. Jesus, <clears throat> now for, for before the creation of this world, he determined that he would send Jesus to heal and restore humankind deceived by Satan's lies back to unity with himself. In love, he predetermined that through Christ, he would provide the remedy to remove the breach of distrust in our minds and hearts and restore us to full sonship with him, all in perfect keeping with his character, pleasure, and will. How amazing is God's glorious character of grace that he has freely given us all heaven in the one he loves. It is through the truth of God revealed in the life and death of Christ that we are won back from the enemies of God into friendship and unity with him and now experience the forgiveness and healing that God has so freely given. All this is in accordance with the richness of God's character of grace as he constantly provides everything for our good so that we may grow in true wisdom and understanding. Because Satan's lies obscured the truth about God, making confusing and mysterious what was once plain, God sent Christ to reveal the truth and therefore remove the confusion and mystery by making plain the truth about himself. And this truth about God will in time under the leadership of Christ reunite the entire universe in perfect harmony with God and in the person of Jesus Christ we experience restored unity with God. Would you like to be restored to complete unity with God? One with God. Amen. Ah, oh, step number eight. This is a bonus step. Now, see, if you'd left early, you wouldn't get this bonus step. <laughs> kind of like going to an Amway meeting. The bonus step to full recovery. Oh, my word. The Apostle Paul has several very famous clauses or phrases of words that he puts together all through his writings. And if you latch on to one of those, you will have a marvelous journey. And one of those phrases is this phrase right here. In Christ. That's one of Paul's most famous phrases. I have all things. Now in the letters of Paul, 28 times he uses that phrase, in Christ. I put these 28 Bible texts together in one letter. So it would be a letter from Paul to you and I. Or from Jesus to you and I. In Christ, I have a multitude of blessings freely supplied by my heavenly Father. These blessings equip me to meet every deception of the enemy. They are calculated to give me the advantage over sin and sinning. 
They greatly exceed every need I have, super abundantly going beyond my greatest expectation and my wildest imagination. In Christ, I am sanctified. You are what? What does that mean? Made holy. In Christ I'm sanctified. Called to be his saint. In Christ I have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. In Christ I always triumph in the battle of sin. In Christ I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In Christ I live godly and I am wise unto salvation through the faith which is in Christ. In Christ I am strong in His grace, His workmanship created unto good works. And in Christ I can endure all things. I do not fear the judgment now taking place, for in Christ there is no condemnation. You like that, don't you? No condemnation. In Christ, I'm freely justified, just as if I had never sinned. Freely justified. In Christ, I am reconciled to God, my Father, and nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Christ, I have the peace that passes understanding. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Knowing this, I am certain that nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. Death holds no fear for me, for I shall be made alive in Christ. In Christ I have the promise of eternal life, for the dead in Christ shall rise first. In Christ I am raised up and made to sit in heavenly places. A share in his glory and a seat upon his throne. In Christ I obtain salvation with eternal glory. And because of all my blessings in Christ... I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Truly, in Christ I have all things, and in Christ I rejoice. Well, let's see what else comes up there. Oh, now it's time for the test. How many of you believe everything that Paul said, that we get in Christ? You believe that, now you got a job. What is your job? Surrender my all to Jesus. That's our job. You can say that. Just, just say to yourself, my job is to surrender my all to Jesus. Just say that to yourself. Let yourself hear you say that. Because Jesus cannot change what I don't surrender. 
If you don't surrender it, it goes with you to the grave. And if it is sin, then what happens? Eternal death. So you want to surrender all to Jesus because what you don't surrender, he can't change. Well, my job today is to trust the goodness of God. In the beginning, it was a trust issue. The angels didn't believe and trust God. Adam didn't believe and trust God. Many people today do not believe and trust God. Jesus cannot save those that don't trust him. Does that seem evident? Yeah. Okay, my job today is to tell others of the Savior who is the remedy for sin and who reverses the curse of sin. Now, you, you understand what I mean when I say reverse. That means in you, the Holy Spirit works to undo all that sin has done in your life. And he puts in back in you the image of God. And when you and I are fully reflecting the image of Jesus, then what happens? The Father says, go get him. And as my daughter says to me, she says, go get him, tiger. And Jesus comes down to get us. Jesus cannot save those who don't know him. That's found in John, if you're writing things down, John 17, 3. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So if you want life eternal, you can't get it without knowing Jesus. My job today is to follow the advice of the wisest man who ever sinned. Who is that? The wisest man who ever sinned. That's Solomon. He was the wisest man. He was the biggest sinner. Jesus cannot save those who do not believe him. Let's see what the wisest man that ever sinned said. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Hear the Lord and depart from evil. And the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. So don't trust yourself to find your way of salvation. You need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. That's how you find salvation. And in Jeremiah 10, 23, it says, It is not in the heart of man to direct his own path. So no matter how you look at it, if you and I depend on ourselves, we're going to be lost. So we can't, can't depend on ourselves. So is this the, the, the end? Or is this the beginning? That's a good question. Well, it's up to you. Let me cross over here again. You can't go back and make a new beginning. None of us can go back and make a new beginning. But you can start right where you are and make a new ending. Isn't that good news? The good news of the gospel. We, we, we can't go back, but we can start right here, right this moment, and say, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Savior, and I want to go all the way with you. But I know in my own strength I can't do it. But you have promised that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And you have promised that you will supply every need I have. 
according to your riches and glory. Choose you this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus, our Lord and King, our Savior and God, our Creator and Redeemer, longs to present us back to the Father and to the universe as rightful citizens. And we lived happily ever after. Or as a child once said so well, and they lived happily after all. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we've seen everything that Jesus does for us, in Christ we have everything. We thank you for giving us Jesus. For time and eternity, he is ours, our Savior, our God, our Lord, our Master, our brother, and our assurance of eternal life and eternal acceptance with you. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Now, Father, we just, right now, take a moment for decision. Every eye closed. Every head bowed. If you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior right now, and you want to go all the way with God, just raise your hand. Nobody's looking at you. Just raise your hand. God's looking. And God sees your hand. And he says, I'm sending angels. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. You can go all the way just as Jesus went all the way. And I'll be there at the door to accept you and to welcome you home. Thank you, Father. Bless us today. Bless all of us. As we go about now doing what we know we have to do, we have to tell others about Jesus. So we just thank you for your blessings to us. And all God's people agreed, amen.